Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast transferring from our mouths to your ears. Ew. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the middle brother. That's me, Ryan Newman. And by the oldest brother. And that would be me, Trey Newman. All right. So obviously there's a, a lot going on in the world right now. Uh, things a lot more important than than sports. Um, of course, we know people tune into this to hear about college football. So that's that's what we're, we're going to talk about. But one thing we did want to say here at the top of the episode is just encourage people, if you're able to, donate to causes that, that support racial equality. You know, whether that's in education or community investment, criminal justice, whatever it is that that you're passionate about and want to help, then we, we again, highly encourage that. Uh, yeah. And we also, uh, before we start, we just want to thank um, our patrons uh, for helping us to uh, help donate to uh, a great organization here in our home state called the uh, Advancement Project uh, California. And they have a number of great charitable goals, uh, which in- including uh, ensuring communities of color have a voice in our democracy uh, and expanding ex- educational opportunities for children in our state. Uh, so thanks again to our, our patrons for helping us donate to that worthy cause. Um, yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, well, uh, we'll we'll get into to the episode here then. Uh, Trey, we have a, a five-star review from one of the listeners. We do, from Spence Griff, titled it The Best College Football Podcast. The bros have a very fun dynamic that is entertaining to listen to, even during the off-season. They are very knowledgeable and always have a fun topic to talk about or a game to play. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Thank you, Spence. Appreciate Thanks, that. Man. Awesome. Okay, well, the, the topic for today's episode is the most intriguing transfers heading into the 2020 season. So we're going to go conference by conference, and uh, each of the bros will... We'll give one one player in each conference. So, Trey, let's get it started with the ACC. All right. Well, there's an obvious one in the ACC, but I'm going to go a little bit more off the radar to start. Uh, and I'm going to say, with Miami, defensive end, Quincy Roche. Uh, he's transferring from Temple. Uh, obviously, all the talk about Miami is Derek King, and deservedly so, but Manny Diaz knows that he needs to also get that that Kane defense back, and he obviously had this plan all along when he was Temple's head coach for a couple hours. He he pointed this guy out, and he's like, "We're going to get him, yeah, oh, at yeah Miami." Yeah. Um, but like I said, they need that defense to step back up to compete in the ACC. And and Roche, he was the AAC D- Defensive Player of the Year last year. He was fifth in the nation in sacks. You're going to combine him with Greg Rousseau who had 15 and a half sacks on his own last year. I mean, that tandem, if they live up to the billing, could have one of the best D-lines in the country. Yeah, that pass rush is going to be really good. Yep. The defense, just in general, will probably be really good. They should yeah, they've be. been good. They just, yeah, they have. The defense hasn't been the problem, but no, you, they need to get better wherever. So Yeah, true, but it's a good point. But that, so that is a big impi- impact transfer. Um, I'm going to lean towards uh, somewhere else here. I'm going to go with... Um, Kind of a surprising one, maybe, for some, but I just thought it was a unique case. I'm going with Justice Reed. Uh, he's transferring from uh, Youngstown State, uh, the fighting Bo Pelinis, uh, to, <laughs> to Virginia Tech. Um, so, the reason why I went with this is just because, so, Justice Reed, he signed with Florida 
back in 2014. That was his class. I mean, that's think about that's that. crazy. That's forever ago. So this will be an unprecedented seventh year of eligibility for him, which is pretty cool for him. Uh, that's he missed, that's he, uh, almost as many years as JT Barrett was at Ohio State. Pretty it's much, close. yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's close, <laughs> not quite, but close. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So he missed, you know, 2016, 17 with injuries, and then he missed the entire 2018. So, you know, he said when he finished his fifth year of eligibility at Florida. Um, he applied for, you know, a sixth year and the NCAA just gave him two. And he's like, okay, great. Thank you. You know, so, <laughs> yeah. so, so he didn't expect that and it just kind of happened. So he's like, okay, great. So he ended up transferring to Youngstown and, uh, he had a really good year last year. He had 42 tackles, 19 tackles for loss, 12 and a half sacks. So he had a, a big time year there. Um, now he's going to go over to uh, Virginia Tech where they, they lost a lot of people to transfer. So this is a, a big get for, for Justin Fuente. You know, they, Fill, fill a big need. Obviously, getting a guy of his maturity level is going to help. So, um, yeah, this is a, is a big big get for Virginia Tech. Yeah, it's always interesting to see the guys that transfer from FCS take that huge. I mean, just going from Trey, your guy, going from from a G5 to Power 5 is interesting, but FCS to, yeah. to you know, ACC, that's a whole different Florida, jump. Though. I mean, a little bit at the beginning, but so True. talent's there. All right. Well, I went with uh, the obvious one. You guys left me left me with Derek King transferring from Houston to Miami, and I think the way that the beginning of last season went for him at Houston, of course, not getting off to the to the best start, and then just totally shutting it down to to pre- preserve his uh, eligibility. I think it's caused people to forget just how insane he was in 2018 and even the the end of 2017. So those two seasons combined. 43 passing touchdowns, eight intercept interceptions, almost nine yards per pass attempt. And then, of course, on the ground, over a thousand yards, 5.8 yards per carry. So he has like Heisman level upside in the right system. Now, Miami has not been quarterback friendly and the O line has major concerns. So I don't, I don't see him contending for the Heisman, but I think he'll make the offense a lot better. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, he's. <laughs> It, it, he's such a wild card. He he might be the biggest wild card of the entire college football te- season. Just like if he's good, I mean, Miami could I, be could be a real threat. I agree. I totally agree with that. And I'm Jaron Williams wasn't all that bad. I mean, Derek King. That's yeah. true. I'm not saying that, but there's it's it, they kind of proved that it's more than just the quarterback. You obviously need a great quarterback, but they're going to need that offensive line and a and a legit running back. But if King King might be able to be a one man show and, and do it. The, the yeah, and there's the King other question is... mark. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead Ryan. Oh, <laughs> oh, we're so no, we're so friendly. First. It's like no, you guys you. are brothers. <laughs> How about the same time? Same time. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go. Um, he's kind of got maybe like a little bit of the uh, like Jaron Williams was a, a decent player, like you said, but he, you know he doesn't quite have the electricity of maybe no. like that uh, King does, and he, I kind of compare more to like a younger. Khalil Tate, maybe he can make, you know, that type of impact where he just takes over. That's, I think King has more upside, obviously. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. And the other question mark is there's a new offensive coordinator, Rhett Lashley, coming in from SMU. I mean, seems like it's a good hire, but I, I probably thought Dan Enos was a good hire. So you just never know. Yeah. Um, by the way, speaking of Jaron Williams, he still hasn't selected a, Right. transfer destination so that's kind of weird he's yeah there's a couple out of, guys out yeah, there that are late. still still lingering yeah 
I'm just, um, he's got a choices, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I heard, I, I saw a rumor about Western Kentucky a while back. I don't know if, if they that's got Tyrell Pigram. Oh, that's right. Well, not that he's good. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on to the, the Big 12 then, Ryan. You've got the, the first pick here. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going Tariq Black. Uh, he's transferring from, from the maize and blue of Michigan to Texas. Uh, Texas has some big shoes to fill with a couple of their wide receivers uh, off to the NFL, Devin DuVernay and Colin Johnson. So Tariq Black was definitely a big pickup for them. Gives them a big target, 6'3", 215. Um, so the, the, but the really good thing about Black, I guess, is the fact that he's, he has two years of eligibility remaining. He can play right away, but he still has two years to play. Um, which it's big. I don't know about you guys. That is the one year guys that are coming in. It's just, it's tough. You know, it's, it's getting those, that second year is makes a big difference. And, but if you rewind a few years ago, um, I mean, Tariq Black was supposed to be the next huge thing at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the first game against Florida that we he had listened was, to it from Michael for I know, like every I, year. <laughs> I, I, every year I was like, okay, this is the year he's going to be healthy yeah. and just mm-hmm. hasn't, hasn't done it yet. No, nah, it didn't click. And then he just, obviously the, the injury to the foot was a big deal, but. And then the Michigan offense kind of was not great at times. So, but yeah. uh, there's no reason why he can't be uh, a starter uh, right out of the get go for Texas um, and make, you know, make some big, big plays. So I don't think he's going to live up to the hype that he was, people were thinking three years ago, but no reason why he can't be pretty darn good. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, okay. My, my pick for the Big 12 is offensive guard Josh Sills. And yeah. he was second team all Big 12 last year for for West Virginia. Uh, he's transferring to Oklahoma State with two years, Ryan, two years of eligibility Ooh, remaining. Good I, don't time. Know, I don't know if he'll use both of them. We'll see. But to me, he's just kind of the cherry on top for them for what's looking like one of the best offenses in the country. You've got, um, you know, the skill talent with Chuba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace. Sanders. Still, yeah. And you got the quarterback. Uh, yeah. Spencer Sanders. And. Now the and the offensive line was was looking fine before he got here, but that just kind of solidifies it to what I think is maybe maybe only behind Oklahoma as far as offensive lines in the the Big Twelve. So they're they're yeah. set on that side of the ball. Texas is going to be pretty good on the O line, I think too. Okay, well, but but arguably I haven't done my full research yet, Ryan. Yeah. I can't I can't yeah. say. Mm-hmm. I would have uh, I would have probably said Theo Howard here. Um, he's, he, he was from UCLA transferred to Oklahoma, but he ruptured his Achilles in the off season. It's not likely that he'll play or if he did, it would be towards the end of the season. Um, so you guys left me, I've got a couple guys. I'm just going to go, Michael, you just spoke about Oklahoma state. So I'm going to go another way. I'll say TCU pulled in a linebacker from Mark Jackson Jr. from Oklahoma. He's really athletic. And it actually sounds, reading some articles, it sounds like they want to move him to to DN. That's how they kind of think how athletic he he can be. He was highly recruited uh, a couple years ago. He had forty three tackles, seven for loss. Gary Peterson, Pat Peterson, Patterson knows how to <laughs> obviously coach some good defense. And even though they've slipped a little bit in the last year or two, I think he can get the most out of uh, Jackson and and hopefully make TCU a little bit more relevant on especially on that side of the ball. Okay, uh, we are on to the Big Ten then, and I have the first pick here. I think the most intriguing transfer is Peyton Ramsey. He's he's going from he's staying in the Big Ten, going from Indiana to Northwestern. 
and he's obviously a big favorite to be the starting quarterback there because their quarterbacks last year were terrible 50 percent completions six touchdowns and 15 interceptions so you got to think it's it's going to be ramsey and at indiana he was good especially last year when you know when michael Penix went down he came in and had the best season of his career was really efficient he's a threat in the running game a little bit too as well um so i, I do worry a little bit about no longer being in you know that Kalen DeBoer offensive system and going to Northwestern where it's not only the fault of the quarterbacks that just entire offense was was not very good so I I don't think he's going to be great but he'll be a big improvement they were I saw a stat that they were that they were last in the nation in yards per pass attempt at like four and a half last year I mean it was just dreadful it was which is, I mean, you thought Hunter Johnson was at least going to be competent yeah, coming in, yeah. you know, right? He was a five-star and is like big-time recruit, but man. But I agree. Like, Ramsey nope. could have, like, Northwestern won't, you know, they're not going to win the Big Ten, but he could have as big of an impact on a team as as there is out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, I'm going to go with uh, an offensive lineman, Coy Cronk, uh, an offensive tackle. He's also transferring from Indiana to Iowa. Trader. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> Iowa, they always seem to have good offensive line play, but they just lost a first-rounder, Tristan Wirfs. Um, Kronk started 40 games at Indiana. And what's intriguing to me, though, is Iowa and Indiana obviously run much different systems, so it'll be interesting to see how they how he kind of fits the the Iowa mold here, you know, to more of the, the ground and pound. Uh, I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, Iowa seems to do j- just all right, but it clearly addresses a void that they had, and they're going to match him up with another NFL talent in Alaric, Alaric Jocks- Jackson. Easy for me to say. Yeah. Um, so Iowa could have one of the best offensive lines in the Big Ten again. Yeah, no, they're going to be so- they're going to be solid for sure. Um, all right, I'm going to go with uh, one kind of an obvious one here. I'm going with Trey Sermon. Uh, running back now for Ohio State, coming in from uh, Oklahoma. Uh, is a big get for for the Buckeyes. They really needed somebody to step in uh, and replace J.K. Dobbins' production. Now I don't think Sermon is going to be quite as good as J.K. Dobbins was, but uh, he's he's a very good player nonetheless. He had over two thousand yards in his time over there at Oklahoma, and I, I you know it seemed like he was kind of underutilized a little bit at times. I mean, Kennedy Brooks was a good running back, no doubt, but. I don't know. I just sermon when he was in, he was good. So uh, I think he's going to do really, really well there at Ohio State. And, you know, it's it comes at a good time for the Buckeyes because the two other running backs have injury concerns too, like Master Teague, their second leading rusher last year and leading returning rushers. You know, he's got a problem with his Achilles. So it's, I don't know. Ryan Day's optimistic that'll be able to go for this, for this coming season, but it's, you know, it's in doubt. Um, so Bill's a big need and big time player. It's a, it's a big get. So you heard it here first. From what I heard, Ryan says that Lincoln Riley was not maximizing Oklahoma's offense. <laughs> well, wow. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think uh, the running backs I, I under, really. I understood what you were saying. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get to the rest of the conferences here, uh, we have to get a quick word from our sponsor. Who's our sponsor, Ryan? Our sponsor is myfrontpagestory.com. All right. All so right. we had this for uh for Mother's Day. It's a great, great, uh, great company here, great business that they have. Um, so here's the deal. So you're think about it. Your dad, he loves the newspaper, right? I mean, I know we our dad does. He's in the morning, always gets his coffee and his uh newspaper out in the on our 
family room and it's just that's what he does every morning. So give your dad the the cover story he deserves, you know, for being such an awesome dad for supporting you throughout all these years. So myfrontpagestory.com what you do is you, you know, you can you can tell your dad that you had a story written about him um and that'll be kind of your gift to him uh for Father's Day which is coming up just around the corner. One of the coolest things you can do, it's obviously a very unique thing. Um and watching him kind of read it and what you uh got for him is would be pretty special. Um so what you do is you, you talk to a writer for maybe about 10 minutes, a little bit about your dad. And uh, then based off of your conversation, the writer will write a really cool story about him and he'll, you know, he'll send it to you in a newspaper format and it just looks like a cover story. So something unique, something really cool. Um, it's going to be a lot better than probably what you're going to get him anyways. Uh, what else are you going to get him? <laughs> a, a socks or tie or yeah. something that he's going to forget and not really care about. But <laughs> this one. He's not going to forget about. It. He'll remember this one for for a long time, and he'll keep it. So, um, just remember uh, myfrontpagestory.com. If you use the uh, promo code Bros twenty, um, get a discount there. So, yeah, it's a really great gift. Um, and uh, myfrontpagestory.com uh, promo code Bros twenty. Awesome. Yeah, and so Father's Day, obviously. But if you have a spouse, significant other with a, a birthday coming up, anything like that, or grandparents that. You know, of course, we haven't been able to to see as much uh, during this this yeah. quarantine time. So, uh, yeah, it's a great gift to get. Though it really is pretty cool. Yeah. All right, uh, let's move on to the Pac-12. Trey, who is the most intriguing transfer in the Pac-12? I'm going to have to say Jake Bentley to oh, Utah, yeah, coming from from South Carolina. You know, he had an up and down career with the Gamecocks, but he brings a bunch of production. I mean, he had over 7,500 yards, 55 touchdowns. Uh, his bugaboo, though, was he threw a lot of picks. He threw 32 interceptions. Uh, but I think the one thing going for him is that he's not going to be facing SEC defenses week in and week out. And Utah as a team is kind of probably going to be better around him as opposed to the way South Carolina's team was around him in the, in the SEC. Um, but, you know, the Utes, of course, they lose Tyler Huntley. Uh, so there's a chance that they might not have much of a drop off at all. Maybe, maybe an improvement at, at quarterback. There is, I don't know if I would go that far, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I like Jake Bentley, but yeah, I mean, the thing with, uh, Huntley was he was a little limited with the arm. He was, he was good. Like, I'm not saying he wasn't good, but mm-hmm. yeah, was, they, they didn't. I'm just saying exactly. it might not be a, a, a huge drop off. That's they, fair. Uh, but he's going to have to compete with, they had a transfer from Texas last year, Cam Rising. Uh, but it just kind of seems like Huntley has the advantage. Bentley, yeah. Yeah, the, the thing with Bentley, Bentley too, Bentley, though, yeah. is like the difference between Bentley and a guy like Tyler Huntley. I mean, Huntley did not, like, I mean, they were obviously much better with Huntley than when he wasn't in, but they didn't completely rely on him like Bentley had to pretty much. It felt like just like everything was on Bentley's shoulders. Oh, totally. There in the Gamecocks. It's just like if Bentley couldn't pull it out of his butt, then they were screwed. <laughs> so Yeah, he he never really had a good offensive line in front of him at at South Carolina. So, yeah, that's no. why I was always I was always kind of a, a big fan of him. I thought he was you know, you would have liked the like you said the interceptions to go down, but maybe yeah. maybe with Utah. I mean, Utah was able to make Tyler Huntley very efficient. He didn't make a ton of mistakes. I don't know if that was. Yeah. I don't know if that was Tyler Huntley, um, or or the coaching or the the system. But I guess we'll we'll find out here with Bentley. Yeah, I, it's that's true. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, okay, I'm gonna go with another QB transfer from the East Coast uh, to the West Coast. We got uh, Anthony Brown. 
Boston College going to uh, going to Oregon. You know, anytime you can add a three year starter at a Power Five school to your QB room, which I guess you could say the same thing about Jake Bentley, um, <laughs> got to be a good thing, right? So, you know, and while Anthony Brown he he may not be like the savior, uh, but he improved each year he was at BC. He really did. His completion percentage went up about four percent each year. Uh, his average yards per completion took a huge jump, which is Michael's favorite stat, which is a good stat. I got to give him credit. <laughs> they It went up like from his freshman year to his junior year over like about four yards per attempt, which is a ginormous, That's ginormous huge. leap. It's huge. So, and his TD to interception ratio kept improving each year. And he was doing it with obviously not a ton of talent around him uh, at BC. I mean, they had a decent O-line and stuff and decent running game, but, you know, they don't have a ton of skill talent around him. So, think he's going to have a good chance to come in and win that job in Eugene. But I mean, he's obviously going to have some competition there with some highly, highly recruited guys. But I think what it does though for Oregon is it just gives them like a floor at, in yeah. that QB room. You know, it's just like, okay, we feel safe at least knowing that Anthony Brown's going to be okay. Good point. So, you know, it just gives you a little bit of a security blanket, I guess. Yeah. Well put. Uh, okay. That leaves me. I'm going with another Oregon transfer. A former top 50 recruit, 6'4", 210-pound sophomore wide receiver, Devin Williams. And he transferred from USC uh, midway through last season. So he's been you know, on the Oregon campus for, for quite a while. And with Jawan Johnson gone at receiver, there's an opening there for him. Apparently in, in the limited, very limited spring practice, Joe Moorhead really liked what he saw from, from Devin Williams. So... I think he's got a decent chance to to start right away or at the very least get get a lot of snaps. So he if he lives up to that that, you know, recruiting potential that he had, he was which behind is not a that lot long of talent. Ago. What's that? He was behind a lot of talent at exactly, SC, yeah. so it's I, not like I don't blame you know, him yeah. too much for being behind, you know, Michael Pittman and Tyler Vaughn's and and uh I'm on Russell res- Brown. <laughs> yeah, I'm on Russell Brown. <laughs> I'm a USC fan, you think I would yeah. know our receivers, yeah. but <laughs> uh but yeah so i i still think it's yeah it's not one of those situations where he's just kind of a a recruit where you just you should forget about what his his uh his high, high rating ranking. coming out of high school exactly that's that's still the potential still there yeah no doubt all right um time for the sec oh boy oh the, not the conference of champions that's the pac-12 but you know the, the sec is okay yeah, it's all right. All right, I'll get us uh, going here with the uh, SEC. I'm going to go with the obvious one, the one that everybody's talked about all off season. Jamie Newman, our fourth bro, um, youngest brother, um, going to Georgia from Wake Forest. It's obviously a good pickup for Georgia. There's no doubt. I mean, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there aren't some concerns. You know, you got a new QB uh, coming in uh, that didn't have a full spring ball. You got combine that with a new offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin. Got a lot of new there. Um, yeah. And it's, it's just not going to be full throttle right out new of the New offensive gates. line, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, it's uh, there's going to be some hiccups, no doubt. Um, I think they'll get a lot better as the season goes along and maybe their defense will be able to carry them uh, while that offense is taking some time to gel. Um, but another thing that does worry me, though, about Jamie Newman is just how he performed at Wake without his top target, Sage Surratt. Uh, Sage got hurt like in the eighth or eighth or ninth game. Uh, so they played four games without him and just hit, uh, Jamie Newman's stats without Sage Surratt just like completely plummeted. I mean, he was under 50% completion percentage, one to one interception TD ratio. I mean, it was just a night and day difference. Um, so 
and you know hey, he's got his, George Pickens. He's got George Pickens. That's I, all right. I know is he's going to have some better receivers, no doubt. But he's also going to well, be facing a heck of a lot better defensive competition than he did at Wake. I mean, you know, no offense to the ACC, but his outside of Clemson, that's was a pretty weak schedule. I looked at his schedule. I'm like, uh, weak defense, weak defense, weak defense. And so, you know, I'm I, I think he's going to be good, and I think they'll get better and better as the year goes on. But it's Heisman type stuff. Not even I'm I don't see that at all. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I, he, he, he's like Derek King where he is a very wide range. Like I think he could, like it wouldn't shock me because of how Georgia, how good Georgia could be that he would have a seat in New York, but it also wouldn't shock me if he was just average and ended up not even finishing the season. Like I don't, it's just crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like Joe Burrow happening last year, we always, it's hard to make any definitive statements. Like, yeah. If Joe Burrow can go have the season he had, then the sky's the limit for for Jamie Newman. I mean, they've got a ton of talent at Georgia too, and guys who could step up a receiver. Obviously, I'm I'm not predicting that, but it just goes to show yeah. you the wide range of possible outcomes. Yeah, fair enough. My uh, intriguing transfer is a guy who is stepping up in class from North Dakota State, Jabril Cox, linebacker, and he is going to he's going to the Bo Pelini's new squad of LSU. Yeah. And so he's a 6'3", 233-pound outside linebacker. Um, and what he's known for is versatility. So he's really fast. He can be used in the pass, pass rush as a blitzer. He's apparently excellent in coverage. So I, they, I, watched, I read an article where they had a film of him you know, going step for step with slot receivers and even an outside receiver on one, one play I saw. So he, uh, he's a new age linebacker for sure. And with LSU, they lost three linebackers to the draft i think so they that was definitely a position Maybe of need kind of be like the the deon jones type like that he was a lsu guy himself oh but. okay yeah yeah why not it, and you know going up in class we'll see he was an fcs i think like second team all-american it's always interesting what what's how good will he be in the power five we'll see yeah absolutely all right i'm gonna go with the other big name quarterback that transferred to mississippi state kj costello um obviously from stanford you know what's interesting about him is lsu and bama kind of made a run at him and he ended up going with mississippi state i don't know how serious the interest was but he went to leach and you know he was putting up more pretty big numbers in a conservative david shaw offense so you know it's it's going to be really fascinating to see what he can do in a leach offense and we were you know i was already intrigued to kind of see what Leach could do in the SEC and we're going to get a pretty good barometer in year one with Costello like what what can he do with a yeah. in the SEC with his offense uh, but Costello could be like a breakout star to the rest of the country this season if he puts up some numbers what they anticipate yeah if they can figure you know if, if the receiving core steps up that's a bit of a question mark but he I, he kind of reminds me of Derek King in that last year went bad for him like he was he got hurt and even before he got hurt like everyone around his offensive line got hurt and just Stanford was kind of a mess but in 2018 2017 he was really really good yeah lost a lot of key pieces after the going into this past year so yeah it's uh he's got a wide range but and Leach he's got a I mean he's got the potential I mean it's a lot better than uh having what they had before as far as passers there so yeah yeah <laughs> it's a big, big step up in the passing game from the QB position. Okay, we are to the last 
group of conferences here. We've got the group of five. And I'll go first here. My most intriguing quarter or transfer is is a quarterback. Jack Sears, again going from USC to Boise State. And he was so he was a four-star recruit coming out of high school, a big recruit. And just, you know, it was a lot of times in the competition to be the starter, just just never quite made it and kind of last year after summer camp he was actually fourth string which was quite a surprise um behind some some good quarterbacks but still so he decided to transfer the problem is though the reason this is so intriguing is boise state has hank bachmeyer who was yeah. a big recruit himself and as a true freshman last year had a, a promising season so he seems to be at least i would think a pretty likely starter they've also got chase cord who is a junior played super well last year um after bachmeyer got hurt and I don't know if I mentioned this, I might've just said this, but he's a junior and, and so is Jack Sears. So I, I just, I guess he thinks he can compete for, for the starting job this year, which maybe he can. I mean, there's the only time he played at, at USC, he actually did pretty well the one game he played. Um, but I don't know. It's just, he might be third yeah. string this year, which is kind of an, an interesting choice. Yeah. Anyway, absolutely. I, I, I agree there. I'm going to go with, so you went with the Boise school. I'm going to go with another school that has a chance to represent the group of five in the New Year's Six, and that's Cincinnati. They got Jerome Ford, the running back who transferred from Alabama. Uh, they really needed a guy to replace Michael Warren, so they they definitely filled uh, a void there. He was highly recruited, of course, when you go to Alabama, but he got lost in the shuffle in the running back room, and he actually started the first game last year against Duke and put up some pretty good numbers but then after that, he got kind of shuffled back. Uh, he has a similar build to Warren, so he should. You would think he would kind of fit in their their system. But Cincinnati, that was a big pickup because they they needed him to. Uh, they need a guy like that to step up in order to to compete for that New Year's Six spot. Yeah, Warren was a big piece, so we'll see if Ford can match that. But yeah, um, all right, I'm gonna go with um, Rico Bussy Jr. Uh, yeah, making the transfer from <laughs> North Texas to uh, the the island, the islands, uh, Hawaii. So, new head coach Todd Graham gets a big piece here. Um, yeah, Rico Bussy, uh, wide receiver, he tore his ACL early last year, um, and there were huge expectations for North Texas. I mean, you know, relatively um, going into last year, and Mason Fine with Rico Bussy, there's you know they had a great year in 2018. Rico Bussy went over a thousand yards and had 12 touchdowns. So. But then Enrico Bussi got hurt like in the second game, I think it was. So there's the season just got derailed really quickly. Um and yeah, now so now he's gonna go to take his final year in Hawaii and I'm sure he'll have a huge year there. I mean, it's uh but it's a big get. He's a bit talented kid. So that's what that's what I, I honestly was surprised he didn't go somewhere maybe a little more prominent. Yeah, he could have gone like anywhere pretty much, right? It's I, I mean good Hawaii's for, not a bad place to go. All right. Um, so that does it for our all the conferences. Is there anyone we left out? Is there anyone on your list that you almost had as uh, as one of your choices? One, one guy. I mean, I guess it's not a. Um, oh, it's not a G five, but it, it's a uh, guy that intrigues me. I'm I'm seeing how how he's going to do is Felipe Franks. Just how he's going to work out at Arkansas. Yeah. Um. You know, he obviously got a lot better from his freshman to sophomore year with Dan Mullen's help. Um. But I mean, he, he's pretty good, and he has a lot of talent. So Arkansas has been lacking, very lacking, 
in the QB room the past couple of years. Last year yeah. was horrible. Well, and it's um, and clearly what was surrounded them was obviously not good because you know Ben yeah. Hicks at SMU not like he was great, but he was pretty good. And Nick Starkle yeah. at A and M was was decent, pretty good. So right, right. But Felipe's proven it in the SEC already um, against top level defenses that he's pretty good. I mean, I, he's not going to have the quite the sporting cast he had at Florida, but I mean. I would be very, very surprised if he was not much better than what they've had the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I uh, let's see. Another guy I had, another quarterback, Keaton Thompson at Virginia. We'll see what uh, Bronco is he immediate. I don't. Yeah, I think he is. Right. I think he is. I, I think he is, but yeah. it's possible I'm wrong on that. Uh, Chase look. Bryce at Duke, of yeah, course. He's immediate. Hof- yeah. Okay. Uh, Chase Bryce hopefully ends up better than uh, Hunter Johnson did at. Northwestern and then uh Cade Mays who yeah a weird transfer kind of I guess kind of like Koi yeah. Koi Kronk uh, but offensive lineman started at Georgia was of course going to be the starter going forward but decided to transfer to the the home school or the hometown school Tennessee and what's happened at Tennessee with their offensive line is crazy like this is the kind of turnaround that Florida State needs with their O-line because they were garbage a couple of years ago on the O-line and now yeah. heading into 2020 it's one of the best, you know, yeah, certainly Smith, one of the best I mean, in the country, really, offensive lines potentially. Yeah, if Mays if Mays is eligible, he, they'll be ridiculous there. Um, another guy I had was uh, wideout D Anderson. He's transferring from LSU to Oklahoma State. It's kind of interesting because Oklahoma State, we know that they have uh, Wallace and Stoner, but D Anderson kind of brings some size and he was actually suspended for LSU last season. Otherwise he probably would have been a part of that, uh, that championship team. So I, I trust Gundy being able to, to use him. Well, um, was there anybody else you guys had? Joey Gatewood might be interesting at Kentucky. Yeah. Is he eligible? Oh yeah. If he's eligible. Yeah. That's still a question. Okay. Yeah. A lot of these guys, apologies if I am mistaken about their eligibility because it's, you just never know. Um, but Khalil Herbert going from Kansas to Virginia Tech at running back, he yeah. of course had some big games at uh, at Kansas. So Virginia Tech, they've they haven't had a great running game just for a while now. But uh, but hopefully Herbert can help solve that. Stuart Reese, the offensive lineman from Mississippi State, uh, going over to Florida. That was a big, actually, a pretty darn big get, a big loss for Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, it's just Stanford in general, we didn't mention they lost yeah. so many. So quality players to transfer. Yeah. Um, Obi Ebo to UCLA. Yeah, they lost J- Javon Swan on the D line to to Indiana. Um, or Hallis, I think the offensive lineman. He started last year, something like yeah. He yeah. got hurt like midway through, and then obviously didn't play after so that. Going to Arizona he started State. the year. Or yeah, going to Arizona, Arizona State. State. Like yeah. the second year in a row that Stanford's lost a tr- starting transfer to Arizona State. That's right. On the line was it a yeah was it a center last you know, year. Or who was it? Uh, I thought it was a guard. Oh, okay. What's his name? Oh, right. I forgot who it was at this point. But. You know what's crazy about Stanford? I, I read and I, I'm assuming it's correct that this year they're going to have only their second grad transfer they've ever had. Well, Stanford, you said? Yeah, Stanford. So they're that's they're receiving their second grad transfer? They're rece- they're, yeah, oh, they're wow. getting only the, yeah, the second to grad get into transfer Stanford, they've huh? ever had. Yeah. Yeah, but it would be, I mean... If I was able to, that's where I'd want a grad transfer to. I want to yeah. get a grad degree <laughs> no, from right. Stanford. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Any more? What about this, guys? Or 
We... Nick Starkle going to San Jose State. Oh, there you go. Bottom of the barrel. Is is Josh Love still uh, still there at San Jose State? Thought he was gone. Yeah, I'm guessing not. I guess if Starkle transferred there. Um, yeah. Well, we didn't. Did we, we didn't bring up JT Daniels? Did we? I know. Oh, of course. He's but yeah. He won't be eligible. Yeah, probably. he well, maybe won't be eligible. You never know. But yeah. Um, but even if he was, I would I would heavily favor Jamie Newman to to be the starter. But we don't know. I mean, JT Daniels could have taken a huge step forward uh, from from that that freshman season where he struggled a little bit, but he showed flash. Yeah, he's in. He did. He did. Not a fan. <laughs> okay. Um trying to think oh well one more bit of news i guess uh was justin ross uh of course Ugh. looking like Ugh, he's, man yeah with a what spinal sort of injury and yeah have some fusion surgery or ugh, not good awful so he's out for the year and you know hopefully he'll be able to come back to football at some point but yeah big big loss for for clemson there it sucks too, like for college football, like whether or not you like Clemson, like watching a talent like Ross in this case, it's just, it's so fun to watch. It's, oh, yeah. I mean, it's, his it's too run, bad. his run in the, the playoff two years ago was yeah, the insane. The title game was against Bama to me. I mean, that was unreal. He was, yeah, it's a shame. He's like the best player on the field. He's a true freshman. He was unreal. Mm-hmm. He and Lawrence. Yeah. That was, that sucks. All right. Well, uh, I'm trying to prolong this episode because Ryan and I had a bet on a, an over-under bet on how long <laughs> the episode would last. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm going to lose. It's short, going huh? under. Uh-oh. The over-under was 48 minutes. I, I guessed over, but I don't think we're going to be able to drag this one out. So, uh, Thanks for listening to the College Football Bros podcast. Remember, as always, you can watch us on YouTube, so be sure to subscribe there. And if you're watching us right now on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe in your podcast app. We can... You know, all the downloads help. We appreciate it. Uh, And we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros. Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.